Hey everybody, Nick Espinosa, your chief security fanatic here, and today we got to talk about the United Nations Cybercrime Treaty because it's got some serious flaws, and these are things that need to be hammered out before it's actually signed in January of next year, which is when it's expected to go into law for the United Nations. Now, this is coming up from uh, Tanya Reiling of CyberScoop, and I think this is an important one. I've been tracking this one for a while, uh, but we had some news today, thanks to Microsoft uh, jumping into the fray, because they joined human rights and civil liberties groups, raising serious concerns today about the International Cybercrime Treaty that the United Nations is negotiating this week, actually, to create a legal framework for cooperation to prevent digital crime. Now, a number of advocacy groups, such as the Electronic Frontier Foundation, have criticized aspects of this cybercrime treaty, specifically the draft of it. But Microsoft appears to be the first big tech company to weigh in publicly during the latest rounds of discussions, and they're urging negotiators to address what they're calling overly broad definitions of cybercrime that could actually lead to human rights abuses. Now, among uh, Microsoft's concerns are that the treaty's provisions for government access to personal data could provide governments a front for, quote, real-time surveillance, end quote, of anything that they deem a crime. In other words, you keep that broad, and I could simply just go online and go somewhere if that's considered a crime. Now, I can be surveilled. There has to be more narrow definitions. On top of this, the treaty does not provide safeguards for companies to notify targets of surveillance. In other words, if you're going to be surveilled and a government comes and says, hey, just FYI, uh, you know, we want to get Nick's information, there's no recourse that like a Microsoft or another platform would have to let me know that law enforcement is looking at me uh, unless a warrant specifically specifies that this is a secret surveillance in some way, shape or form. On top of this, Microsoft also expressed concerns that the draft treaty doesn't protect ethical hackers <clears throat> in sections of the document about criminalizing cyber intrusions. That is incredibly important. As an ethical hacker myself, I do not want to get arrested simply for being hired to do a job, uh, providing that I'm obviously, you know, let's say breaking into the company that has required me to hack into them. Quote, we need to ensure that ethical hackers who use their skills to identify vulnerabilities, simulate cyber attacks, and test system defenses are protected. End quote. That is coming from uh, Amy Hogan Bernie, Associate General Counsel for Cybersecurity Policy and Protection at Microsoft, writing in a LinkedIn post. Quote, key criminalization provisions are too vague and do not include a reference to criminal intent, which would ensure activities like penetration testing remain lawful. And of course, if I'm doing penetration testing, or, or any other form of hacking on behalf of a client of mine, my intent is to help them enumerate vulnerabilities and flaws within their design, infrastructure, software, hardware, whatever it is, uh, to make sure that they are properly defending themselves. In other words, don't release it to the public, update your stuff and make sure you're secure, and here we are. Now, that LinkedIn post preceded a stakeholder uh, session hosted Monday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday uh, today by Microsoft and groups including Access Now and the Cyber Peace Institute, a nonprofit that Microsoft funds. Full disclosure, my company, Security Fanatics, also funds the Cyber Peace Institute. We're big fans. Now, the treaty has been strongly backed by China and Russia, which last spring uh, pushed for a successful resolution to curb, quote, the use of information and communications technology technologies for criminal purposes. There you go. Backed by China and Russia. That alone, for me, just raises eyebrows. But since treaty negotiations began in 2021, 
Critics have raised enormous uh, enormous amount of issues here. Several groups, including Access Now, EFF, and Human Rights Watch, hosted a briefing last week to voice concerns that the treaty could facilitate expanded surveillance by law enforcement and undermine privacy and free expression by journalists, activists, and marginalized groups within their borders. Think the Uyghurs in China, if they're going online to simply say, hey, we're being mistreated, now maybe that requires surveillance. Not that China would even uphold that treaty anyway and just surveil whoever they want to surveil anyway they've got a history of doing that now to continue and i quote the treaty could harm the very people it is meant to protect that is from Carrie Schenkman, human rights attorney at Article 19. That's a nonprofit that defends freedom of expression globally during this briefing uh, or talking during this briefing. Now, despite ongoing criticisms of this treaty, the U.S. government expressed optimism about the outcome of these uh, negotiations. The U.S. State Department was, quote, optimistic that the negotiations are on a on a path towards a consensus based treaty that will help countries fight the scourge of cybercrime, end quote. Now, I think that's great, and I do think we need a cybercrime treaty, but we have to protect uh, quite a bit. As I mentioned, uh, basically, the final vote will not take place until January of 2024, and essentially, uh, the current negotiations are running through this Friday on that, so stakeholders obviously are talking with the United Nations, et cetera, et cetera. But obviously, I think this is a very important thing. We need to make sure that we are protecting, uh, essentially, uh, you know, those that, let's say, ethical hackers, but we're also protecting uh, minorities, journalists, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and so the definitions, I think, are really the important side of this. And the other side that's important is the intent as well, <clears throat> meaning... If, if we are not looking at, let's say, protecting a journalist who, let's say, is receiving sensitive information from a whistleblower, and now that journalist is considered uh, to do a cybercrime, uh, you know, or have committed a cybercrime, excuse me, then does a government get to surveil them? Does that break that that journalistic integrity? The whole point of a good, free, and fair press is to keep the government in check. We want whistleblowers talking to journalists. We want journalists uncovering, uh, you know, basically the issues and the problems with a functioning government. That's how we excise problems. That's how we learn uh, about corruption and other things as well. A free press is integral to the health of a good democracy. And so, and so if we are not protecting those people, I think that's a huge issue. The other side of the coin... Obviously, being the intent side, if I'm basically doing something like ethical hacking, my intent is good. I'm looking for vulnerabilities. I'm trying to alert the company to vulnerabilities. Uh, yeah, I'm usually hired when I, when, I, when I do these things. So it is something that is important. I'm not breaking in to steal or ruin anybody's day or ransom things out. So intent is an incredibly important thing. And in all law, it comes down to intent as well. You know, and so there you go. And, and, and understanding that some crimes, regardless of intent, will still be crimes. But when you are talking about things like hacking, intent is a very, very uh, purposeful thing. It needs to be uh, expressly, uh, you know, clear uh, of what is happening here. So there you go. Those are my thoughts on this. I think this treaty does need more work just given everything that I've read about it outside of this article from CyberScoop, which I thought was a good just core write-up on this. Uh, but I think it needs more work. And hopefully, uh, if it's going to be voting and going online in the beginning of 2024, they're going to have hammered these provisions out, making it more specific. We have anti-hacking uh, treaties as well across the globe, interestingly enough, through the UN. And interestingly enough, the most visible non-signers of those treaties, meaning those that did not participate, were Russia and China. So now them coming up with a cybercrime bill 
bill that basically says, yes, here's a massive scope, no intent needed of what this is, gives them essentially a free hand under international law to do what they want. And that just can't, that just can't happen. And so while we're optimistic, we've got to fix these flaws. And if this goes online as is, there may be legions of cybersecurity professionals that simply may not want to apply their trade, even if their intent is good, because they may be running afoul of the law. And that's the last thing you want. I don't want a warrant from Russia because I happen to be helping, let's say, a company in Ukraine. So there you go. And that is your news of the day. And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please feel free to subscribe to me at YouTube as well. And as always, stay safe, stay online, and please attempt to stay private. Thanks, everybody.